You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dot Well, I got some news, folks. Turns out SIS did, in fact, still have that promo code available. And since we were only about $100 short, I decided to go ahead and pull the trigger. So big, giant, massive thank you to um, everybody that gave. A lot of really big, generous donors. Um Really, really appreciate that. The, the biggest problem I've had, I mean, first of all, we've been extremely busy with uh, Mother's Day and everything else going on, but just sitting in front of this thing and being like, what the heck do I do with it now? There's so much information, and it doesn't really function quite as, as well as PFF in terms of just giving you a snapshot. Like, if you just click on Kingsley Kiki, it can be like, all right, here's his stats, here's his grades, here's how he is. This is more, like I said, you need a very specific question. And when you get a specific question, you can get an unbelievably specific answer. I'm like, all right, what's my question? I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, I, what, what's my question? I don't know. So I thought of one question <laughs> because I wanted to just kind of give some kind of a sample of what we can do with this. And then maybe what I'll do is I'll turn it over to you. I'll, um, I'll throw up a um, general question. I, I, I'll do Patreon, but I think I'll do pretty much everything else because I want as many as I can get. And I really think this would be kind of a a good thing for um, film guys in particular, because it gets super specific. And so the, the, the point is, you can look at narrative. And if you have a theory about, well, you know, supposedly this is an issue, but what about in this situation? You know, yeah, Pat O'Donnell wasn't that great, but what about outdoors? Which, by the way, don't ask me that I already looked. It's not as impressive as you'd think. He's still about the same. But it's that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Where it's like, what about this? What about that? How, how good of a job does Devontae Wyatt do in plus five-yard situations? You know what I mean? Tell me about Romeo Dobbs against FBS competition. So those are the kinds of things that you guys can kick around, and um, we can really start to, to hone in on some of these things. But I, again, I thought of one question, and I sat in my basement here, and instead of doing the podcast, I did the homework, um, and I could... Dig even further if I had more time, but I don't. So the question I had is I wanted to look at draft picks, and I'm, I'm very sad to report I don't think they have North Dakota State on here. They do have some FCS, but for some reason, NDSU is not one of the teams they have. I don't know why. I'm sure I'm going to have a billion questions to send them, like, why are you charging me $1,000 and you don't have North Dakota State on here? Um, but, you know, whatever. So I can't give you any Christian Watson answers. I wanted to look at Devontae Wyatt, and I also got Ford on this list as well. But first of all, what kind of alignment are these guys usually in? What kind of a production do they get from that alignment? And then the question is, what kind of alignment 
can you expect a guy like Devontae Wyatt to have here in Green Bay? And so I looked at the, essentially the guy he's replacing, which is Kingsley Kiki. The alignments they have, 0, 1, 2i, 2, 3, 4i, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9. Or as it's called in the football world, technique. Whatever, I don't know. So first of all, a zero technique is, is a 3-4 nose tackle. Th- this is generally my vernacular. This is how I understand things. 3-4 nose tackle, 4-3 you know, nose, 4-3 interior, that kind of a thing. But we'll, we'll talk through that as I go along because I'm, uh, you know, again, if your brain works like my brain, this is going to be way too confusing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk down to some of you and I apologize for that. But starting with a zero technique, which is lining up directly over the center. Usually your your big nose tackle types, your your Ford types. Although in reality, that was not his primary thing, which maybe again, bring Ford here, have more success. But we're not talking about Ford right now. Devontae Wyatt had a 10% pressure rate at a zero technique, playing a nose tackle position. He did that 9.17% of the time. Almost 10% of his snaps were at nose tackle. Kingsley Kiki was at nose tackle, 0.45% of his snaps. 0.45. They did not ask him to do that very often, probably because we have a guy by the name of Kenny Clark on this team. And so there's just really no need to put your pass rushing defensive tackle, which is what Kingsley Kiki was brought in here to be, at the nose tackle position. Now, 10% pressure rate is not bad, as we've said, but if you compare that to some of the other pressure rates that he gets, which we'll get to, it's not incredibly high. That is to say, he's going to be asked to do something that he's less successful at, significantly less. And this is where, if I had a little bit more time to do this, if I wasn't going to work today, which we'll see how I'm feeling. I got a little bit of a bellyache. I don't know, maybe I'll I'll sit here and play with this a little bit. I'm just kidding, I have to go to work. I have bills. If I had a little bit more time, what I would do is adjust Devontae Wyatt's pressure rate based on if his snap counts were the same, the percentages were the same from the same alignments, because it's relatively easy math. So it's an adjusted pressure rate if Devontae Wyatt's snaps lined up more so with what Kingsley Kiki was asked to do in Green Bay. Don't exactly have time for that, but again, he's doing something that, uh, he's going to be doing that a lot less. From the one technique, which is not exactly head up on the center, it's just shaded to the left or to the right of the center. So you're still right in the middle, you're just kind of offset a little bit. Your left or right arm can reach out and still smack the center in the eyeball if he wants to, which, let's be honest, he wants to. He was asked to do that 13 times, which accounted for 5.42%. Kingsley Kiki, 6.25%, so roughly the exact same amount, only 7.7% pressure rate. So it's not something that he's going to be asked to do a ton, and um, that's good because it's not really a strength. My assumption, because we're talking about him being lined up on the interior, my thought is anytime Devontae Wyatt is going to be inside, we're dealing with A, an injury to Kenny Clark, <laughs> or B, some kind of a, a pass rush situation where we're, we're kind of mixing it up. You know, you got pass rushers on the inside. It's, it's going to be he and, you know, Kenny and a bunch of other, you know, they're, they're trying to exploit something, but it's not going to be a very common thing. Um, from the, the two eye, so now we're moving over to the guards. Two is head up on the guard. Two eye is shaded inside. I'm assuming that's what eye means, inside, interior, whatever. You're shaded to the inside of the guard just a little bit. So we're going from the outs- outside of the center to the inside of the guard. This is one of the more encouraging things because Devontae Wyatt was very unsuccessful here. This is one of the worst spots for him to be in. Only a 5.1 pressure rate from this spot. He was in this spot 33% of the time. 
One-third of his snaps came from this position. He didn't thrive here at all. Again, 5.1% pressure rate is terrible. Kingsley Kiki was asked to do that 4.46% of the time. So he will not be doing that hardly any ever again. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Um, as a two technique, which is directly over the guard, he had two snaps from that spot, basically 1% of the time. Kingsley Kiki, 3% of the time. He's not going to be asked to do it. He didn't have any pressures on his 2%, so it doesn't amount to anything. But again, he's not going to be asked to do that very often, so that's fine. Now we get to where Devontae Wyatt is going to be, and and all the uh, football-savvy people understand that this is how this works. Three technique are generally known as your pass-rushing defensive tackles, and that's what Wyatt and Kiki are. So both at Georgia for Wyatt and in Green Bay for Kingsley Kiki, three technique is the primary alignment. 95 snaps, which accounted for almost 40% of Devontae Wyatt's snaps, came at the three technique. Three technique is just shaded to the outside of the guard. He had a 13% pressure rate from this spot. Kingsley Kiki, by the way, 121 snaps, 54% of his snaps came from this spot. So in this case, he's actually going to be there even more often. And then you've got the 4-I, which is to the interior of the tackle. So it's just to the left or right, I guess, depending on you're, you're moving slightly further outside from the outside shade of the guard to the inside shade of the tackle. This was Devontae Wyatt's best spot on the team. 20, oh, actually, that's not true, but the other one's kind of a too small of a sample size thing. 22.2% pressure rate from this spot, but he only did it 8.75% of the time. He didn't do it a ton. It was, I mean, it's a de- decent amount, but it was less than three technique. It was less than two I. It was less than zero technique. This is what he'll be doing probably the second most. Kingsley Kiki, 20% of the time. So for Kingsley Kiki, it was basically three technique and four I, and that was basically it. This is just what the guy did all day. Those are Devontae Wyatt's best alignments. From a pressure percentage, 13% from a three technique, 22.2% from a four I. And again, his his pressure, his his rate lining up there is going to go from sub 9% to 20%. So I'm sad I can't really give you numbers. And I mean, if we keep going on, his, his actual highest pressure rate was from the four technique, which is head up on the tackle. But he only did that three times. So it was 33% pressure rate because he got, um, let's see. Well, I don't actually have it, but I don't have his actual numbers. But somehow he got 33 and a third percent. Oh, it was three snaps, so that would be one. So, whatever. But he did that three times, 1.25%, uh, 1.65% from a five technique. He was never in six or nine. And then seven, which is like a it's it's a wide alignment, or you could call it um, shaded to the inside of the tight end. So, depending on if there's a tight end there, I'm guessing there is. I don't know. He would be the, to the inside of the tight end. Otherwise, you're just way out wide. He did that one time. So, six, seven, nine, which is way out there. He did that once. And again, if we run through what Kingsley did, it was less than 1% at a 0, 6% at a 1, 4% at a 2i, 3% at a 2, 54% at a 3 technique, 20% at a 4i technique, and then 4%, 4, 4%, 5%, 1%, 6%, 1%, 7%, 0%, 9%. So again, it's, if this was a bell curve, it would be flat, 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 spiking at 3, slightly less at 4i, and then just low again. Now, Kingsley Kiki wasn't utilized as much, so it's entirely possible that they branch out with Devontae Wyatt. They gave him a bigger role than what they gave Kiki, but I think the the, the larger and more exciting thing here is um, I think if they keep him in that primary pass rushing role, which they can because you've got 
Kenny Clark, and you've got guys that are talented that can stay in their own role, you can utilize Devontae Wyatt to to stick to what he does best, especially since he's a rookie. We're not going to ask him to do a million things. We're not going to put you at nose, number one, because we don't need you to. We have Kenny. And number two, there's no reason for us to push you to be multiversatile. We don't need you to be the, the most dominant guy on this defensive line because our defensive line sucks. No, we got Rashawn, we got Preston, we got Lowry who knows what he's doing, we got Jerron Reed who knows what he's doing, we got Kenny Clark who knows what he's doing. We don't need you to be everywhere. I'm going to put you at a three technique and I'm going to tell you, go get the freaking quarterback. And the point is, when you look at his stats, three technique, four eye. Basically, we're, we're in between the guard and tackle. Whether you're closer to the guard or closer to the tackle doesn't really matter. That's where he's best, and that's where he's going to sit. That's my belief. I don't know, but that is my belief. And the point is, his stats in Georgia, and this is one of the funny things about, and, and this is where, again, for the next draft cycle, if I can play with this data, the way that we look at players isn't even necessarily correct. You look at him and say, well, he had a, well, let me just look at it because I don't know. Devontae Wyatt had a um, 1.2% sack rate and a 10.6% pressure rate. But if we adjust down the things he's going to be doing less and adjust up the things he's going to be doing more, the sack rate and the pressure rate go up. So what is what is his Kingsley Kiki Packers adjusted pressure rate and sack rate? I don't know, but I know it goes up. And that's the fun thing is you can do that with every single one of these prospects. The question isn't just what did they do in college, and and it's not all negative from a standpoint of, well, it gets harder in the pros. That's true, but what is your role, and how well did you do in that role compared to what the role you were asked to do in college? And we can isolate the things that we're going to be asking you to do here and say, well, how well did you do in this situation? For example, a cornerback. Now, we didn't draft any, but it's it's an easily comparable thing. Let's say we're 75% in man coverage. I know we're not, but just let's just say, or zone, whatever. And let's say you you were an elite zone guy, and you sucked in man, but it, at the college you played in, you were 75% in man. Well, overall, let's, let's use PFF grades, for example. Let's say you had a 30 um, man grade and a 90 zone grade. You're still going to end up with a bad grade because you're primarily playing man, but I can extrapolate that and say, yeah, but you're going to switch to 75%. So what if we take that 90 times 75% and then take the 30 and just put that by by the 25%? It's still not great that you suck in man because we're going to ask you to do that. But just the point is most people, most draft analysts are going to look at this guy and they're going to look at the overall production. They're going to say, this guy was bad. A few of them who really dig in are going to say, yeah, but he was pretty good in zone and this is a good scheme fit, but I still don't, but, but we can get exact metrics. This is the Packers adjusted metrics for this guy. And so the other thing I can do is I can say, okay, we can look at defensive tackles overall. And let's do that real quickly here. Devontae Wyatt overall, if we just take all the defensive tackles in all of college football, Devontae Wyatt, they, they, they've got a couple different metrics here, but points above average. He ranks 35th. That's out of 200 defensive tackles. I'm sure there's more, but you'd have to further whatever. But out of 200, he ranks 35th. What about as a three technique? He ranks 21st out of 200. So as expected, when you look at it and say, okay, but what about specifically as the pass rushing defensive tackle, where does he rank 21st? 20th if you're just looking at FPS. But anyways, why don't we take an early break, um, partially because we're probably going to have to get out of here early because I got a late start because I was goofing around with this thing. Partially because, I don't know, it just feels like a good spot. So we've officially knocked uh, two GoFundMes out of here. Please do not forget about Drew with his seizure service dog. 
Um, we've had several in the last week. Uh, Clayton, y'all know Clayton, right? $200 donation from Clayton, 10 from Michael Adams, $103 from Dennis Dockery, and $125 from Oscar Cardona. So that is, uh, we got what, $438 in the last uh, four days. So thank you guys so much for that. That is really, really greatly appreciated. We are nearly, we're $75 away from, from $5,000. In total, we're trying to get to $7,440, help Drew get a seizure service dog. My goal is let's get these knocked out uh, before the start of the season. And I'm, I'm pretty confident, especially since this is the, the only one we've got, and we'll see what comes along, but this is all we've got left. So as I've said, and I've said it a thousand times, if everybody listening to the sound of my voice gave $1, we're done tomorrow. I mean, we're, we're, we are... $2,515 away. If half the people listening gave $1, we're done. So just think it over. Everybody's in a different position in their life. And as I've said, if you can't give, you can at least give your time. And all I'm asking for is 10 seconds. I'll give you the link. You just share it. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Instagram, wherever you've got the most friends, family, whatever. I'm sure that amongst your friends and family, you can find a buck. And let's help Drew out. Again, Drew has, uh, he was diagnosed with epilepsy, generalized uh, tonic clonic, which are the seizures where he loses consciousness and convulses severely. He was diagnosed at 15 years old. He's 34 years old now um, and has decided that he's, he's ready to get himself some help, and he's, he's going to try to get a seizure service dog to help him. So see if we can get that done. Anyways, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I can't help it. I got to keep playing with this thing a little bit. So <laughs> I wanted to, to look at our, our number one overall pick since we looked at our second pick, not number one, our, our first pick. And um, one of the things that I kind of noticed is they, they've got the totals, they've got the rates, and they've got the, the value, which is sort of their, I don't want to say subjective, but if, if there had to be sort of a PFF grade or whatever, they've got, um, for example, points saved, which is a pretty common metric. It's not an SIS thing. But essentially, it's looking at the result of a play. This is my attempt at explaining it, which will make it sound pretty flimsy because I tend to think it is. But the 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 date the first part of it is a hundred percent great data. Essentially, what they look at is based on historic data right now where you're at. What are the expected points for your team? So it is first and ten from the fifty yard line. Expected. Well, I could probably find out. All right, so I found a calculator. Just to give you an example, right now, it is first and 10 from your own 20-yard line. You finished the play. It is now first and 10 from the opponent's 40-yard line. When you started first and 10 from your own 20, the expected points, mathematically looking at history, we're expecting you to get roughly 0.47 points. Obviously, that's not an actual points total you can get, but the point is low probability of getting points. The new expected points, which is first and 10 from the 40-yard line, your opponent's 40, is 3.27. That is to say that on that last play, you added 2.79 points. You went from 0.47 to 3.27. So then what you would do from the offensive side of it is to say, okay, that that, that play added 2.79 points. That's mathematically concrete. The issue is... What they try to do then is distribute the 2.79 across the offense and say, what is your responsibility for this? That's, to me, where it gets a little bit flimsy. But the point is, it's a pretty well-known thing. And you can do this defensively as well. If you went from, you know, 3.27 points, here, let's do this. Instead of first and 10 from the 20, let's say you, it's an incomplete pass. What is it now? Well, it's second and 10 from the 20. You went from 0.47 to your current point total, which is negative 0.16, which apparently means that it's more likely your opponent is, a, is about to score than you are. So you, you, your expected points added was negative 0.63. So you take that 0.63 and you add it to the defense. All right. So what they have then on here for defense is points saved per play. So on, an, on average, on a given play, what was your contribution to saving points on the defensive side? If you look at that specific metric, just looking at Georgia linebackers, at least in the guys in this class, which, of course, like with a lot of these things, 2023 is real interesting because actually number one is a guy by the name of Nolan Smith, who is not any of the three that we're familiar with. But number one on a per-play basis was actually Channing Tindall, then N'Kobe Dean, then Quay Walker. Now, this is specifically looking at run defense, though. And, And understand, we've already established the guy's a great tackler. But I think that one of the things that may be just starting to explore this, the underrated aspect is his coverage ability. 
Not that anyone thinks he's necessarily terrible at it, but I think he's more seen as a pure run defender of, of the group between, you know, N'Kobe Dean and whatnot. You know, people like Quay because he's tall and fast, but actual real good athlete, real good linebacker, et cetera, et cetera, that's all N'Kobe Dean. But if you go over to coverage, Quay Walker is pretty impressive. Now, do you have to cherry pick a little? Maybe. But one of the cool things they've got here are boom and bust percentages. And this is where you look at these expected points added. And you, you remember how when I did the, the from first down to second down, they lost 0.63? That was the EPA lost just by losing a down. Boom and bust looks at things that are only one uh, EPA of one or more. So boom percentage is in your favor by one whole point, and bust percentage is negative one. Second highest in all of Georgia, we're talking about nine linebackers. Highest of the three by far, 33%. Bust percentage, really, really bad plays, 11%, which is the smallest of anybody that wasn't at zero, which are the guys that didn't really play, Smail, Mondin, Adam Anderson, and Robert Beal. So of six linebackers, he has the highest boom percentage and the lowest bust percentage. Number one in great plays, dead last in terrible plays. So he is simultaneously the most consistently not bad, which, which is important in and of itself. Like, just don't be the guy that makes the mistake. He, he makes the, mis- the big mistake less than anybody. But he's also the number one guy in getting you that big play in coverage. And if you're curious what about one point would equate to, it would be about a loss of three yards on that play that we talked about. So instead of first and 10 from the 20, it ends up second and uh, 13 from the seven-yard line. Anyway, some real quick poking around for uh, Romeo Dobbs, because why not? thing that stands out immediately for me, and I know we've been talking about special teams and where these guys slot in or whatever, but um, a lot of times we just say return guy without realizing that punt and kick returners are two very different things. Very rarely is somebody a just pure returner. I shouldn't say very rarely, but it's, it's, it's uh, not super common. Romeo Dobbs isn't a return guy. He's a punt return guy. Now, it's not to say he can't be a kick returner. Maybe they try him and maybe he's great at it. But if you were to differentiate the two, Christian Watson is the kick return guy. Romeo Dobbs is the punt return guy, according to SIS, which very different numbers than PFF. I don't know. We'll have to dig into why the differences are there. It doesn't really matter for this particular point in time. 23 punt returns, 204 yards, 15.69 average. They both agree that 47 yards was his longest return, but 15.69 on punt returns is pretty staggering. The highest punt returner, the, the number one punt returner, as far as guys that did it on a pretty regular basis, was Brandon Powell from L.A. with a 15.8 yard per return average. Amari Rogers' average was eight. The year prior, one guy, so there were, there were two. There was Deontay Spencer, 15.8, and Gunnar Ozluski, 17.3. So bottom line is, when you're talking 15.69, again, college and pros and you know Nevada compared to NFC North, not the same thing. But just to give you some perspective on how insane 15.69 yards is, it's if if you put that in the NFL, there's a good chance you're the number one return guy in the NFL, just right out of the gate. If you look at just Packers averages in 2020, our return guy was Tyler Irvin. He averaged four yards per return. Which again, everyone's trashing Amari. <laughs> he had eight the year prior, four. The year prior to that, Tyler Irvin, seven. The year prior to that, Tremont Williams, six point nine. <laughs> Amari's the best punt returner we've had in a long time. <laughs> 
I'm so sorry to have to give you that horrible news, but that is the news. 2017, Trevor Davis, best return guy we've had in a long time since, you know, like 1998, 12 yards per return. And that's, listen, that's really, really good. 12 yards per return. He had an 84.2 overall punt return grade. He also had an 80, uh, a 72 kick return grade. He was a good returner. I'm I hate that he was so underappreciated. And I know he had drop issues or whatever, and that wasn't great. By the way, zero muffed kickoffs, zero muffed punts in 2017. But anyways, again, Trevor Davis, peak Trevor Davis, 12 yards per return, Romeo Dobbs, 15.69. 2016, Trevor Davis was 14.4. Again, really high. He had a really low grade because of the muffed punts and whatnot. But still, 14.4. And then prior to Trevor Davis, we had Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde, 6.2 yards per punt return. Last time we had actually anything even close to this was Micah Hyde in 2014, 15.4 yards per return. It's still not even quite as high as Romeo Dobbs, but I mean, we're all the way back to 2014, and this is the only guy that's even been remotely close, Micah Hyde in uh, 2014, 15.4 yards per return. So, um, Again, we got to see exactly how well that's going to be able to translate, but he was one of the he was the sixth highest in uh, college football as far as punt return average. So it's not a, it's not as though, yeah, but compared to everybody else, he's not actually that good. You know, in college 15 isn't that good. Oh no, it is. Sixth highest. In fact, Valus Jones, the Chicago Bears wide receiver that they drafted, I don't know, third or fourth round or what whenever they got him. The biggest complaint with him is he's a 25-year-old special teamer. Like, he's just a punt returner. Like, that's great and all, but, you know, you need a legitimate wide receiver, and he's just a returner. Valus Jones averaged 15.11. He was 10th compared to Romeo Dobbs as 6th. So, whereas Valus Jones, the Bears guy, is seen as a top-tier special teamer, but that's all he is, as far as punt returns go, Dobbs reigns supreme. Anyways, this is a supremely short episode because I, you know, in between uh, sentences, I'm taking like five, 10 minutes to kind of rip through here and just find different fun little nuggets. Um, I really just need more time. I, what, what, what I don't need is more time. I need more focus. And that's where you're going to be able to help me out. Specific questions that I can look into. So anyways, I do have to get out of here uh, because I have, you know, a job and stuff. Again, thank you very much for helping me to reach this goal and be able to get this resource. It's going to be a good year, but uh, have yourselves a great Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.